Welcome to Inside Pediatrics, a podcast brought to you by Children's Hospital of Alabama in Birmingham. I'm Tiffany Kazaroski, and we're here today with Dr. David Askenazi, who is a pediatric nephrologist at Children's of Alabama. Dr. Askenazi is a professor at UAB, the University of Alabama at Birmingham, and is director of the Pediatric and Infant Center for Acute Nephrology at Children's. Welcome, Dr. Askenazi. Hi, thanks for having me. So we're talking about an amazing innovation here at Children's of Alabama that you and your team have worked on. Basically, it's transformed the way we take care of babies with kidney failure over the last several years. Correct. All right, so let's jump in and talk about this. Um, First of all, what is the job of the kidneys? Let's just get basic for a minute. Yeah, so the kidneys have lots of roles. Most people understand that the kidney make urine, but the kidney also has a role in filtering the waste products Mm -hmm. and they um, holding on to the good stuff that the body needs to hold on to, like blood cells and protein. The kidney also has a really important job in balancing all the electrolytes, Mm -hmm. in balancing the acid-base balance that we have in our bodies. It helps make red blood cells. It has an important role in making sure the bones are healthy and that many other aspects of of our body, including things like vitamin D Mm -hmm. and other uh, minerals. Okay. What's happening here with some of these babies that are born with either, they might be born with congenital kidney Mm -hmm. disease, or they may be born with kidney failure or shut down due to something else going on? We've recently been taking care of more and more babies who are born without kidney function mm-hmm. or very minimal kidney function. So that makes up a big group of kids that we've really kind of transformed how we think about them. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, in the intensive care units, whether you're in an adult unit or pediatric unit, or in this case, in a neonatal unit, um, many times the kidneys shut down in context of shock or sepsis, whether it's because uh, they have shock from their heart not functioning well, or perhaps Mm -hmm. they have shock because of sepsis or dehydration. Mm -hmm. Um, And so many times the kidneys can shut down. We used to go through this very arduous process uh, when we were trying to dialyze these kids or to help them along. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. What we've learned is that if the kidney is unable to do its job, Mm -hmm. then the patient really starts to be compromised. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can imagine that if you can't make urine, but you're still needing lots of fluids that are provided by your team for nutrition or blood products, then um, the patient will become more swollen and swollen and swollen, which then has really negative consequences to organ function. Your lungs can't breathe as well. Your heart doesn't function as well. Your kidneys actually get swollen and then they have less chance to recover. Mm -hmm. Um, Your liver gets swollen, your intestines get swollen. And then you also have problems with, you know, electrolytes and problems with waste products. And so what we've learned in not only uh, small children, but in other folks is that coming in and really supporting the patient while they're critically ill has an important role in getting them to have uh, a higher chance for survival. So there is a machine that was previously used in adults for fluid removal. Right. And you guys have basically adapted it to be able to help dialyze these infants. That's right. So the challenge that we had, Tiffany, is that we were having to use these big machines that were really not made for babies, Mm -hmm. which would require us to take a lot of the blood out of the baby, sometimes 50% of their total blood volume or more to even get them started on the machine. Mm -hmm. So we found that there was a, a smaller circuit that was about the third the size of our traditional circuits. Mm -hmm. And what we did is we took that machine that's designed to remove fluid 
and we made a couple of adjustments so that not only can we remove fluid, but we can also clean waste products, balance electrolytes, mm-hmm. make the acid base balance how it needs to be. And I mean, this took a, a very large team effort, right? Uh, this wasn't just you, but you're talking right. about nurses and techs and biomed. I mean, this this was a multidisciplinary group. That's right. We needed to make sure that nursing understood what was happening. Mm-hmm. We needed biotech to help us with some of the engineering of the machine mm-hmm. to you know, put a heater on it because the kids would get real cold if we didn't have a heater on it and some other aspects. Certainly, we needed buy-in from the neonatal group because these are, you know, fragile babies that mm-hmm. they're taking care of. And so we needed them to understand what was happening and, and really think through with us who was the right patient that could benefit from these these types of support therapies. So give us a scenario of what used to happen, you know, before like 2013 when you were trying to help these kiddos and now how much easier and safer it is. Yeah, so that's been the really the biggest difference is mm-hmm. really putting these patients on the machine without them having problems. It was not uncommon for us to have patients do very poorly when we put them on the big adult machines. We would have to have a neonatologist and a nephrologist there at the bedside. We would walk through some of the things we would potentially do and think about what we would do first if the patient stops breathing or right. the patient's you know, plummets their blood pressure. And we would open up the crash cart that we use to resuscitate people to make sure that we have medicines available in case they went and and started having a bad problem. What we've learned over the last four or five years in using our the smaller circuit mm-hmm. is that that just doesn't happen anymore. We track our data very closely and we've been able to show that 90, 70% of the time we put them on the machine without having to do anything, without having to give them medicines or calciums mm-hmm. or change their breathing uh, machines or anything. They just wow. go on very smoothly. And it makes our life a lot easier. And as you can imagine, it gives a family a lot more comfort that this is going smoothly and that sure. things are going okay. And it makes the babies happier. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine, you know, before you probably had to have that difficult conversation with parents that they may not make it through this. Right. But now, you know, even in two pound babies, you're able to put them on this machine and really provide hope to that family that this is going to work. And what is the ultimate goal, really, when you're talking about uh, poor kidney function? You want the baby to grow to be a certain size so that they can be available for a transplant eventually, right? That's right. So in in babies who are born without uh, sufficient kidney function to sustain them, we have changed our trajectory of the probability of survival Mm -hmm. for these patients. Mm -hmm. And because we have been able to do that and we have confidence in our program, our conversation with families have changed. It's still a very difficult conversation because mm-hmm. not all of them will survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still a very difficult conversation because even if we get them to grow well and to go home, they're going to eventually need a kidney transplant, mm-hmm. which can impact their life in many ways. Mm-hmm. But we now can provide them hope. That they can have a child that can grow up and go to school and, and do well and graduate high school mm-hmm. more than we could before. 
And we're not just keeping all this data and all of this research right here at Children's. Tell me about the papers that you guys have published and how we've involved some other centers around the country trying to teach them about what we're doing here and why it's so successful. Yeah, so we published our experience in 2015 Mm -hmm. where we took our first 12 patients that we did here at Children's of Alabama that we supported with therapy, and and we described what we did. We described how we arranged the pumps and how we put this program together, Mm -hmm. and we started describing the patients that we were caring for and their outcomes and describing that, you know, we weren't seeing these complications that we used to. Mm -hmm. Since that time, a couple of of our our friends across the country, Mm -hmm. uh, the group in Seattle at the University of Washington and the group at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, we partnered together and through what we've helped them understand, they've been able to develop programs in their hospitals. And we've recently published our experience of 112 kids that have been cared for with these types of machines. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, in 2020, um, there's now over 10 or 12 hospitals across the country that have already started their programs or are about to start their programs. That's great. Um, with, again, some of the protocols and procedures mm-hmm. um, that, that we've developed here at Children's. And then also you're training some of those staff members too. You've had neonatal intensive course on kidney support or the, NIC, right. the NICS course. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Your nurse practitioner, Kara Short, has been very involved in that too. That's right. So the next commitment that we had for these babies mm-hmm. was that uh, it wasn't enough for us to really keep all that information for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is we've worked, we've partnered with Children's of Alabama to develop a course where people from across the country and really across the world can learn about uh, how to take care of small children and babies who need kidney support therapy in the form of dialysis. This course has been very popular. We sell out, you know, in less than a week. We have both physicians and nurses join our course, and we are able to bring in all the specialists from here at Children's as well as some external experts. In We bring our surgeons, we bring our dietitians, we bring our pharmacists, mm-hmm. our physicians, our nurse practitioners, our nurses, and we put together kind of a curriculum where we spend a day and a half learning about all different aspects of care for these babies. We partnered with the Simulation Center here at Children's, mm-hmm. so we, we do case scenarios where we put the team in an environment where we create a situation that maybe doesn't go so well and they have to figure out how to fix it. Okay. Um, and it's been a really wonderful program and we plan to have four in 2021. And of course, they've been virtual That's right. uh, in 2020. Yeah. But eventually, you'd like to we, bring people We look on forward campus. to bringing everybody to, to see our beautiful campus in our city uh, and do this uh, face-to-face. Okay, so what is next? I know we're talking about grants and NIH. Tell us about the exciting news that's on the horizon. Yeah, we're working with a company that's called CHF Solutions Mm -hmm. to really think about kind of the next generation machine Mm -hmm. so that we can, you know, take this machine to the next level by using some of the things that we've learned about the ways that we can make it even better mm-hmm. um, that's specifically designed for babies. And we've partnered with them and submitted an application that has had a great score through the NIH, and we're anticipating that that will happen. With our partnership, we're going to work to make an even better machine. In addition, there has recently been some great news that a machine that was designed in Italy mm-hmm. called the Carpe Diem mm-hmm. has recently been FDA-approved 
to be used in the United States. So now okay. uh, we have you know multiple new options for these babies uh, to really give them the best chance for success and for them to live. To survive and yeah. thrive, right. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the worldwide impact, you mentioned the Italian machine, but right. then also you've been contacted by other physicians, other programs throughout the world who need help. Yeah, that's right. Because one of the things that we've learned is that it's not just about having new technology, but it's really about gaining knowledge across the program. It's not just enough to have a machine that works, but you have to think about who's the right patient, when you're going to use it, Mm -hmm. um, how are you going to facilitate their ability to breathe and their lung function and the medications they get and the nutrition. Mm -hmm. So it's very dynamic and there's lots of different parts to it. And we're Mm -hmm. working to kind of help everybody learn whether they have the Italian machine called the Carpe Diem or Mm -hmm. whether they're using the Aquadex machine that we've been using here or whether they don't have either and they're using some of the bigger machines that are available or Mm -hmm. different types of dialysis. We want to be able to to help as many people as we can across the world. Sure, and use your experience to help them uh, moving forward. That's right. So if people would like some resources, I know we have our website that's childrensal.org slash PECAN, that's P-I-C-A-N, for Pediatric and Infant Center for Acute Nephrology. Right. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Dr. Askenazi, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Inside Pediatrics. More podcasts like this one can be found at childrensal.org forward slash inside pediatrics.